Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hang On To Your Hat, episode 13. Special guest today is Terry Lee. Welcome to the studio, Terry. My pleasure entirely. Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy. <laughs> These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not the blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. (laughs) Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. Yeah, you heard it. You might think this is a bit Derek-centric, this show so far, doing the intro and coming in at first, but that's because Dan has brought his dad to school today. Yes. Welcome to the studio, Terry. What what are you doing here? What Are you crazy? Uh, well, I'm still, still subject to my uh, experience, my opinion, my learning. I'm just open to that. Yeah. See what you boys have done with uh, what we've given you. <laughs> Oh, see, he's claiming yeah. responsibility <laughs> already. There we go. Well, the pressure just went boof. Yeah. Hey, listen, the baton has been passed over to a new generation of uh, fathers who are going to leave their imprint upon the generation to come, hmm. creating the future of the world. Yes. Well, let's see how we go. I've already passed that to oh. my 11-year-old, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're in charge. Quick, I get on with it. <laughs> actually have, yeah. you know, in all seriousness, I've, I've – you know, you've you got that feeling where you go, all right, kid, you're, you guys are going to have you're to grow up own. and save the world. <laughs> That's sorry. right. Well, in a world of scomo and elbow, so there's no reason why Jono or Jacko shouldn't also have their turn. Yeah. Tomo. Yeah. <laughs> Tomo in this case. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I've had a big more. Like, I'm going straight on, here. I've got to spill my guts right now mm. and then we can get on. Yeah. Um, so I've been. I've been to that. My mum's in hospital. My dad's yeah. at home, kind of confused. He can't drive or anything now. He's 83. Uh, so it's a hectic time for me. So I've yeah. gone, been running around like a headless chook. Yeah. Uh, got a taste of Melbourne's uh, LA-style traffic coming back in from Box Hill yeah. in time for this. And it's great to be in here. Yeah. Uh, a day off. Yapping again. With parenting the parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you know, it. So, so uh, that's it. So they're all right. Everything's settled. Well, no that's one's good. In danger. That's good. And here we are with a well chatty. With this old fella. <laughs> this old fella I met many years ago on a, one morning in 1972. Hmm. We we were introduced to each other, hmm. and then he started. Uh, <laughs> developing me from then, didn't That's you, right. I gave you some of my seed, but not all. <laughs> Save a bit. So implanted in you was the potential for greatness. Right. Okay. And then it was up to me to, to, to do the do the rest. Oh, he's, he's gonna he's gonna say these things that mm. that will sound like they mean more than they actually do. Like Well only to the uninitiated, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a test for your growing awareness, self consciousness yeah, yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad, well, speaking of dad gags, because yeah. I've got a yeah. feeling I've heard a few so far before mm. we started recording. Yeah. My old man used to do, you know, flat out dad gags all the time. Mm, right. Still does. Yeah. And, but then when he was, if he was an MC at a theatre group show or mm-hmm. for whatever reason, he was on a stage with a microphone, the gags were different. Right. Mm. They weren't, da- they were terrible, mm. but they weren't dad gags. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were different gags. It was like, 
what sort of, it's like, what sort of two-sided brain are you rolling here? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to hear the dad gags? And <laughs> what do you keep them? But wasn't the purpose of the dad gags to educate you to pass on important moral lessons to you? You know that's not true. You know that's not true. You know it's to maximise. No, no, no. It's what? to maximise torment, torment, and frustration. <laughs> and that is the joy of fatherhood. Would you not agree? Well, part one of the joys of fatherhood. Well, right? you can't always know what's true, but it might <laughs> just be your opinion, Dan. Yes, hmm. but well, it might be true. Yeah. Is there a chance that there's a chemical thing that happens mm-hmm. when you're you – know, there are lots of things that happen that we don't understand, but just a simple <laughs> chemical mm. thing that alters your – when you become a father, that alters mm. your hearing mm. that converts this, this sound, oh, oh mm. and it, w- the way you hear it mm. due to this chemical balance yeah. is – like the whole of Wembley cheering and laughing and applause. Right. Because you do. Like it was like a groan will do. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's what you want. It's mm. true. You're not perturbed by the groan. It's actually what you want. And mm. and, and Dad used to do a lot of um, jokes in the car driving mm. to – we went on a lot of Queensland holidays and stuff in the mm. car. There was a lot of opportunities for driving mm. through past cemeteries and doing the, the dead centre of town stuff. Yep. All sorts of material. Yeah. Um, I can't – do you We recall? headed south from Perth. Did we? Margaret River, Albany, all of that stuff, just to show you a little bit about uh, the country, the vast land we live in. We drove over the snowy mountains. Yeah. Even stopped or let you run in the snow. Yeah. And also to show us how good you were at kind of getting your arm behind your back when you're driving (laughs) to to give us a clip behind the ear. No, 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 no. Sit around and shut up. I tried that the other day. I realised I was in the town ace. And my daughter's right up the back. Oh, no. And she's sitting there going. Ah. No, no. no, there wasn't that. But we did fight in the car a lot. I, I, I do did recall. You? Yeah, shit, shit. Well, yeah. it was only when you lost focus. Focus. You know, what was the purpose of the trip, Dan? Well, we were asking you Come that. On, what, was what was it, it all about? It was to see the big prawn, and then it was to see the big pineapple. And then it was to see Australia's littered with big shit that mm. are on all the roads mm. for fear that we might all go crazy from the expanse if mm. we don't see something familiar. But, um, yes, that's what I was going to say. Had they built Ayers, the giant Ayers Rock at the time? <laughs> In New York? No, there's one on the highway somewhere. What? Isn't the giant Uluru the giant Uluru? Well, no, it was Ayers Rock when it was built. Right. But uh, all right, it's Uluru forever. Sorry. Right. I was Sorry, being very Collingwood of No, 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 no. It was, it was. So was that named after Pam Ayers? That's well my joke. <laughs> I, I, I did that joke last week. I know. Well, I, thought I'd give it, I thought I'd give it back to you. Oh, Dad. Yeah. Oh, I'll give you a taste so of what it sounds that's like. That's good. I'm glad you did that. So what was Pam Ayers famous for? The dolly on the dust cart. Exactly. So what's that got to do with Uluru? <laughs> Does anyone know it off by heart? Can we just, let's just The roll. dolly on the dosh car. Well, didn't she have a Cockney accent or something? No. It was more that kind of Penzancy. What's that place down at the bottom of England? It's called Cornwall. Cornwall, ah. right. It's, it's that real meat, two Ronnie, I call it a two Ronnie's right. butter making accent. Mm. Oh, you but, no, making butter and soya. That's right. That's she did have that voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. The dolly on the dosh cart. Hmm. Like I can't do it. Yeah, no. 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 Terry? So. You don't want to give it a go? The per- Where were we at? No, no, I'm not going to the dolly on the dust car. We were talking about epic <laughs> vo- epic trips yeah. and this misunderstanding <laughs> that the reaching back was to get you in line rather than just to get you to achieve focus so you could appreciate 
what we were seeing. You know, we're this going. This is all to... very political language to achieve focus. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. well, I'm giving you a more sophisticated version than you're capable of comprehending <laughs> when you attend. Well, true. That's yeah, true. True, true, true. So, we went to the top of the snowy mountains through the snow. Yeah. You forgot <laughs> to bring the snow chains. Did I? Why was it my job? Did you say he was 10? That's a great handball. <laughs> so you can blame him. But we drove slowly and slid down the other side. It was okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> For the radio listeners, Terry's looking guilty. <laughs> well, that's enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was good. No, that's, that's, that, look. no we were going to the national capital because I was that's taking right. you to Canberra. Mm. so that you could see the place where the important decisions affecting yeah. our economic life and our future were made yeah. by the people that we elect yes. who, through their insight and intelligence, would know what's, what's right for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when, you, when we got there and you described that that was actually a joke and that's not really what they do there... <laughs> it was another time. It was a fantasy in the 70s. But I do remember that, and I remember lots of car trips, and Ben and I were talking about it the other day on the podcast that mm. that now that we are fathers ourselves, mm. it, we, we need to congratulate and thank you for the effort you made in those sorts of adventures because it's no... It's no uh, easy task. No, no, no. To and get I appreciated. Yeah, I appreciate the apology that you both made two years ago. <laughs> when you have kids, he sells it as Ben doing the apology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Ben, Ben was Ben might have apologised more directly. Yeah. Or, or, or said, yeah, that's right for for what what you've been put through. I, I can't even imagine. And and. So now I see it from the perspective of the front seat of the car with mm. the kids fighting in the back, and ours aren't old enough to fight mm. yet, but mm. how you can go on a family holiday, how you can confront driving to Queensland in a station wagon with, with two boys who are almost the same age in the back is just, Well, wow. they were just fighting for attention. They were just fighting because they were trying to find their place in the back seat. <laughs> in the back seat hierarchy. You ever yeah. think they're looking for a comp, like your exposing yourself as the common enemy in order to... Like, well, you've got these two pains in the heart. I oh, know, I'm going through no, it right no, now. No, 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 no. They're in the back and they're going at each other so hard. Mm. But if you have a full tanty mm. or or get them refocused, mm. yeah, <laughs> as you yeah. put it, yeah. uh, then they kind of... Maybe you just kind of sacrifice yourself. So you create yourself. some kind of allegiance by being the sort of... Possibly. They, they pit themselves. If you can't well, reach them with your left hand. You have to understand that... Uh, it was all about the journey, wasn't it? Yeah. It was about the being there, about the experiencing and all of that. And it's look, true. they were failing to appreciate sometimes <laughs> the significance of what they were seeing. So sometimes... You are you, failing to appreciate! <laughs> you would have to either change the music you were playing for them. Yeah. Or you'd have to stop the car and one of them out. <laughs> How far did you drive? How uh, far? Did and you, what's the record? We're not going to tolerate this anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, and occasionally they would then come to their senses. And, <laughs> and you didn't have iPads back then. We couldn't watch TV. This was while a we pre-iPad generation. All you had was 260 hours mm. of excruciating 
existence in a car to Queensland. No, well, no, not trite because you can only do I spy with my little eye something beginning with for so long. Yeah. And that's then right. they get bored. So you know what Sammy played the, wanted to play the other day? He what? wanted to play I, I don't spy with my little eye. <laughs> He's a genius. He's a genius, he is. isn't he? I mean, I don't know whether. It really opens it up. It really opens the field up, doesn't it? And I played it with him for a while. Oh, Derek, you've got to turn your phone off. No, no, no. It's worse <laughs> when you talk about it. No, no, no. This, that's, that's not a phone. That's his prompt to inject some note of sort of gravitas into the that's discussion. That's right. It's reminding that's, him to say something That's profound. the 10-minute get serious alarm. Yes. Yeah. Now, get serious. I did that. I actually did that last week. My phone went off and I yeah. – was I pretending that it was my alarm? Very same thing. Yeah. And then it went – but I didn't take it seriously and it was already silent. And no, that's silent, right. So you were was, getting confused. So it went pear-shaped. So it on did. the trip to uh, Albany that we mm. went from Perth, the because de- you're a little older then, the deal mm. – I don't know. You might, we, we caught the bus. We got uh, the bloody bus across the Nullarbor when well, we were children. We caught the bus from Melbourne to Perth because rather than fly and just look down on it, I wanted you to appreciate the And the bus was significantly of, cheaper today, wasn't it? Well, I was getting to that as well. <laughs> For the price of one airline ticket, we could take four people right. on the bus. Mm. But by the same token, just to appreciate that, to be able to see the vastness of the continent and yeah. to be able to travel yeah. through, two days that took us. Yeah. Fantastic. And then anyway, so going to Albany, what I thought now, you're a little older, I gave both of you um, three times when you could stop the trip for any reason that you wanted. Right. Um, but once you'd used your three, that was it. Right. So you had three, Ben had three, and so on. So I thought, well, that worked pretty well. Yeah. I want to stop now. Well, I said, well, that's fine. Let's stop now. <laughs> so any reason you want to stop now? Roadkill. <laughs> I just Probably. felt like it. That's okay. Good. <clears throat> yeah, right. Yeah. Or there might have been important emergencies. Now, did mum stay up in Perth while we – was it just you She and... didn't come on these road trips. No, I didn't. Well – it's the, some of the Queensland ones she did. Oh, yeah, but not over the top, not through the no, snow. not all that They're stuff. They're not down to Albany. Because Ben was in here telling us his – because he, he had a stage when he was trying to take the kids on road trips or mm-hmm. camping and stuff and, and some of his disastrous – He didn't quite um, – yeah, look, I must admit then I didn't actually expose him to the real secrets of successful camping, and obviously. Well, okay, well maybe you need to tell us this because, to be honest, it's bloody hard and I don't know whether we're just not made of the same stuff – Probably. As you mob, probably. probably. Or you had some kind of uh, different way of looking at things. I mean, you were younger. Let, let's be – I want to be younger than about, I am now. Younger than you are now. <laughs> Though that doesn't impair you now because you still march them up and down the hills, the grandkids. That's right. But, but what was you – so when you embark on these things yeah. and it's difficult, it, it mm. sounds like you have a very strong sense of what you want to achieve and that helps it to – Well, you have, have, to, pl- you have some to plan. Order. You have to have some sort of sense of how we're going to – Pass the time. Right. What are we going to see upon the way? And then you've got to think of lots of distracting questions. Right. Or distracting things, which is excellent because you can say, no, okay, let's have a look at this town we're going into and, mm. you know, let's see how many people are going, see if we can count the number of people who are loitering in the street, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or what do you think the demographic shifts are that are occurring in the population? <laughs> Why do you think this small town is dying? Those sort of things. Oh, there was no hope for me, was there? <laughs> I was being hit with all this analysis. 
And then I would sort of play you the latest uh, songs repeatedly by, by the Bangles or something yeah, like well, that. Well, we used to record Countdown on a cassette yes, and, and play off that. the telly and then play that That's uh, right. on in the car a lot. That was good. Yeah, January, Sick and Tired. That's right. Yep. Good Scottish band, Pilot. January. Yeah. I'm sick and My tired. first single. You've been, been hanging, hanging on me. me. That one. Yeah. So once you've played that 25 times, uh, yeah. that subdues them. Yeah. It's yeah. maximum 20 for that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. But do you remember? Do you remember planning these things? Do you, do you have a, or is it kind of course? Well, so what was what was your process? Uh, food, you do- food, <laughs> treats. But what was your distractions? Look, the thing about it was, it wasn't just that we were going for a drive in a car. Yeah, that was some purpose in going and doing it. Yeah. So if you want to go down to Albany, you're going to go to the point of Australia, where Cape Le- Leeuwin, where the Indian Ocean meets Bass Strait the old whaling station, the tallest fire lookout tree in the world. Oh, yes, it's all so coming back now. You can climb that little gum tree and up and up you so go. So you're working and toward you a as goal. Little kids, so your generation wouldn't allow your kids to climb that tree, which was just spikes in the side, because you'd be worried about the risk or they yeah, might hurt themselves or disappointed or frustrated through a sense of lack of achievement rather than the wonder of mastery. Mm. So climbing the tree and getting to the first lookout, that's significant. Mm. And what a buzz that is. Mm. So it's overcoming the, the self-doubt that I don't think I could do that and then the joy of overcoming that sort of self-doubt. That's only yeah. the first landing, mind the way. Mm-hmm. So we did. We climbed the tree. Mm-hmm. Then I said, well, we, if we got this far, we could do the next bit. And I'll stay here and catch you. <laughs> it's an interesting just bunch of decisions to make when you're yeah. when you're at that point, and you're obviously our generation, like we're or our generation, the generation of people with little kids now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The generation below us mostly. Yeah. But it's constantly you're constantly aware. Oh, am I being a helicopter? Am I like yeah. anti helicoptering yeah. is probably a big danger for our kids' health because we we'll, we might suddenly go, oh, I'm being overcautious. Go ahead then. You know, off yeah. you go to Vic Market on your own <laughs> or whatever. You just respond too strongly when we get into a panic about that. Mm. Um, where we go camping every Easter, which is great, the, the other parents there, some of them, quite a lot of them are, are, are proper, serious, Horsham-type, outdoorsy climbers, right. serious climbers. Mm. And so they rig up a bloody mm. great flying fox that you've got to climb up a tree mm. And hang on to, and, mm. and the kids and the grandparents and everything are all just hanging on to this bar way up in the sky and just going, wee, and <laughs> hoping for the best. I don't do it because I'll just, mm. I'm too heavy for it. I'll just hit the, actually hit the ground mm. uh, at, <laughs> at a high speed, <laughs> right? So I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But um, Well, see, one shot learning. But <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but my kids don't want to do it. They don't do it. They climb the tree and climb back down. Really? I was like, well... Fiona kind of wants to go, get, get up there, come on. But it's like, well, they don't want to. I'm not saying don't do that, be careful. I'm just going, Look, you don't think I'm pretty sure it's safe and I'm pretty sure there's something in everybody mm. that will not let go of that bloody handle. Mm. Okay, yeah. so I know that you're safe to do it as your dad. You're okay to do it. But I don't want to ruin your camping trip by throwing this social guilt on you. Yeah, so how much you do you don't push wanna, them? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. put all the but don't you there. think that all kids want to climb trees innately? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that the one. 
So you take a, a two-year-old kid, you can't stop a two-year-old kid learning. No. That's, mm. that's programmed into the species. So the exploration, the finding out, the discovery and so on. But over time, as they become more socialised, then they become aware of the risks and the, yeah. I don't think I like that anymore or that. But when they're two, you can't stop them. That yeah, you're true. really just in an impediment or not hmm. to their learning or, or directing them into safe Well, I remember learning. Dan saying to me, I can't imagine, how did you let us climb trees in the backyard when we were junior primary school kids and not worry about us falling down and breaking our legs or necks or something? Hmm. Well, you never did, I don't think. No, we didn't. And, if, did, you, you know. and if you did, you obviously self-repaired pretty quickly because <laughs> yeah. if you did, then you wouldn't be allowed to climb the tree again. Yeah, mm. but I think a lot about this because I think we've evolved this. In, you know, I'm trying to look at <clears> – you've got to look at the time that you were parenting at mm. compared to when I am. We've mm, got that's right. a lot more awareness of danger now. We've got news cycles. We've got, we've got a million parenting books, mm. the, 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 most of which didn't exist when you were sure. – when we were young kids. You've got so increased you, expectations on you as parents now about being right. good parents. And increased anxiety and, mm. and concern about it because we just hear more and we know more. Mm. There, there must have been something about being a parent in the 70s where you just – it was – you just sort of did it. You, you didn't spend too much time in analysis of it, though presumably you – you still have to. Well, we're going to have live on a little farmlet of cows and ducks and horses and all yeah. that. It wasn't by accident. It was no, because no. to expose you to nature, the natural environment, mm. and seeing where stuff comes from. Was that yeah. decision about the, about the um, that was on my notes to uh, ask you, was that decision to go country purely like a development decision for the kids? It was all part of the 60s, 70s hippies dream. Yeah. Go across mm. and be self-sufficient. Yeah, uh, milk the goats. Uh, the good life. Have the chooks. Yeah. Have that. But I wanted also enough land that we could have whatever animal we wanted. Mm. So we used to collect the odds yeah. and sods of That's birds true. and lions. Yeah, <laughs> well, we couldn't get find any. If we, had, <laughs> if we could have found one, we might have had one. Yeah, but we had lots. Yeah, and then when we would come to Melbourne, we'd call in at various. Uh, Aviaries and things where we could buy birds and yeah, that's right. I had six aviaries, yeah. uh, like hundreds and hundreds of different birds and parrots, and we had pheasants and partridges pigs. and geese and tortoises and lizards. Anything to eat? No, we never. Oh, yeah. well, no, 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 no. Bruce and Bob, one of them ended up in the fridge. Yeah, well, I think that was downplayed to us. Well, it had to be. Well, we, <laughs> this, is Dan, this is it, the guys. Dan's learning now. <laughs> Bruce yeah, and right. Bob. What Got happened cooked. to that lovely lamb we had, Father? No, well, Bruce and Bob, the <laughs> idea was from the farmers that you buy a calf and then it's an amazing because you can buy the calf for 50 bucks and then you fatten it up over a period of time and that'll turn into 300 bucks. That's the magic yeah. of farming. That's the yeah. magic of farming. So th then you could sell the 300 bucks and the other one – you could use uh, as part of your nourishment in your family in the freezer. You could brutally slaughter it and eat it. Is basically well, you wouldn't you're personally do <laughs> no. it. You know. But I remember also there was a bit of a thing of, of the kids would have a calf and then they would raise it. That's right. And then you and the kids could make money that way too. That's you know, right. You could to buy a goat. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, a by, selling, by selling their best friend. By selling their best friend <laughs> up the river. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That was... 
Yeah, I really that was a great thing to to be exposed to uh, nature and the, all that responsibility. Of so life there was and a point and, and purpose into all yeah. of that, which was all part of that thing because that was in the time of mud brick houses and yeah, all of those little the, the colleagues of mine who went and bought their their shacks down at Red Hill, then all of a sudden found out they'd whatever they'd bought for fifty thousand all of a sudden become a multi million dollar property. Mm. But a bit like Nimbin, isn't it? Mm. So they bought all this land up there and they're all now uh, entrepreneurial developers yeah. around the thing. But it was a part of the times uh, for us was to move out of the city uh, and to learn and to be more closely associated with nat the natural world. But once kids became teenagers, it's a different deal. Yeah. And it's not, that, it's not that conducive for kids once they're teenagers because their horizons are too narrow. Whereas little kids, uh, when they're primary school, are still family focused. Yes. Uh, they still think... Well, it used to in the old days. They still think you're a legend and you know what's best for them when they're up till 12 years of age. And after that, then they begin to think that they know <laughs> yeah. what's best for themselves. Yeah. And that, that becomes when they need you less. So once Dan got to 14 years of age and didn't, because we used to have planning meetings every Saturday morning. We'd sit around breakfast and talk about what's on the agenda for today. What are we going to do? Yeah. What repairs do we have to make to the property? And allocate the tasks. And then try to encourage you for an hour somewhere to to uh, nurture your any sporting potential. We tried a lot of stuff. Notice the tone of voice when he says that. <laughs> sporting potential. Yeah. So tennis was a big opportunity, wasn't it? <laughs> table tennis is easy. Uh, well, oh, no, the, we the, did table tennis. We did table tennis. The problem for me with with that was more one of of just being totally uncompetitive. Mm. I just couldn't get into the idea of. Beating someone, I just didn't care. Well, no, so. but that's because we'd spent too much time with the hippie element that's of right. loving the world and in the environment. So we needed to give you a bit of the the real world out there stuff. The killer really. instinct was gone. That's it. Was... Well, you got the killer instinct then by buying you a little motorbike. Yeah, that's right. So where you could drive around. they put us on motorbikes when we were 14, 12, no, 14? No, 10. 10? It's the yeah, tree. 10. Really? Yeah, it's the same as I that remember lookout well, tree. Dan, yeah. putting my grandfather on the Jesus. I putting my grandfather on the back of <laughs> on the back of the motorbike and taking him up the hill. We left there when you were 14. 16, I think. No. Really? Guarantee you. 14. No, because I went into year 10 in in Melbourne. How many years did you do year 10 for? No, because I was 18 <laughs> in year 12. No. All right. Anyway, anyway. So you were primary school kids when, yes. we, when we started. We early teens. Yeah. It just the, the people <clears throat> got difficult. It got hard to find my people in the countryside, as I've talked about so before. That, so the, yeah, well, the break dancing didn't help a lot at the school <laughs> no, concert. <laughs> or the ballet. The ballet wasn't Classical a great Classical ballet in a country high school doesn't go down yeah. well. So question time. You've, so you've, we're, we're sort of selling the decision to go country yep. as a development thing for the kids. Part of it, and how do you, and how do you, I mean, how do you really prove that mm. is by letting it all go. Yep, to take them into the city when they need that. Is that is that what I'm reading? Pretty here? much, pretty much. Was that difficult? No, no, no. Well, I think bringing children up, children should be brought up an understanding close to nature, the mystery, the magic of the world, the seasons. The you know the seeds are planted and stuff grows and uh, and where milk comes from all that sort of stuff, but once they've got all of that, then 
you're thinking much more about, well, getting closer to adulthood, what are the experiences you need during teenage years mm. so that you can be a, you know, sociable, responsible uh, adult in your own right. So it's a developmental... It's it a becomes more about people, doesn't it, and social yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And also more about your interests now and more about... And, and kids are supposed to become independent, mm. you know, just like... Kids are supposed to be rebellious at two years of age because they're trying to differentiate themselves from you. I mean, who am I in my own right? Because if you don't get that, then they're always an appendage of their parents. I mean, I just, I'm just like, I am the same as the adults in, in the family. So they need to be a bit independent. And then as they go through into then adolescence, it's so what do I stand for? What do I think? What's important to me? Mm. It becomes really important. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you equipped him and Ben mm. with, most excellently, Terry, mm. with thought and consideration. Mm. So they both got good values. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah and yeah, do well, you think that's, that's what carried you through to where you are now? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Given that your twenties mm. and thirties were well, pretty the re- Yeah, there was. Di- yeah, I. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have had the resilience to. Get over some of the things that I've see. It's funny because the, the the someone asked me the other day whether all the kind of crazy drinking behaviour in my twenties and thirties was was a bad thing or a good thing, and it's hard because it's 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 definitely it's definitely the the thing on which I've you know strengthened and created my character now. Yeah, university of life. Yeah, and you, you kind of in a way the child or the child or children need to find something to come up against that's. Hmm. that's going to challenge, you know, and, and who knows what it's going to be. I mean, you don't really choose that. Hmm. But it definitely defines me now. And I, and I know I wouldn't have had the resilience. You've got to, there's a, there's a way of kind of thinking and seeing the world that you have to learn. We were talking about it on the way here, weren't we, about, hmm. um, about emotional maturity hmm. and having the ability to, see, if you can't get beyond your emotional response to, I've st- I mean, I've talked about it with the with Sammy how you know the thing about um, four year olds can't manage their emotions and neither can I you know I mean we we still feel it yeah. but what you hopefully learn is ways to kind of manage it and find your way out of it yeah and and some adults don't haven't learnt that yet we were we were saying sure. weren't we like sure. Donald Trump for example well we call it in in family socialization yeah so what you try to do in terms of building a culture in a family is what does it take for you to be socialised into our society? Right. So what I'm looking for in an American culture or a Japanese culture or another are different things. Mm. So you're being socialised so that I can exist in and make sense of, uh, benefit from, but understand mutual obligation, contribute to the society we live. So that's what you're trying to do. Well, that's interesting too because it's not just about things you can give teach the kids, you've got to teach them about the, the broader community so that they're not butting up against it in a destructive way. Well, they need to understand that sort of a sense of mutual obligation. Yeah. Uh, and they also learn that one of the fundamental basic lessons is if you want to receive, the best way to do that is to give. Mm. So giving and receiving becomes really important. So mm. there, are, there are lessons to be learned that are – not necessary. Well, aren't obvious to a child, but they become apparent because they become ingrained into your behaviour. You don't know why you're supposed to uh, share, be cooperative, 
and and the way it's explained. But later on, you understand yeah. that whole thing is that it's not all about you. Uh, it's about what you give and what you receive, you know, the contribution. So. Yeah. And it is ultimately indirectly better for you anyway. So I mean, it's not immediate response. Yeah. Stuff. So I was talking to Dan. One of the things clearly that separates our species on the planet is that we are supposed to be the intelligent species, the learning species, so that we are the ones who develop the cerebral cortex, which helps us to analyse, process information and all that. Um, and that, you know, so we, although we now know that amoeba can learn and so on, but they don't sort of process it in a cognitive way. Mm. Um, so children, when they're born, when they're young, are, are emotional beings. So their brain is centred in their brain stem, which is where animals' brains go to, which is animals basically are gener governed by their emotion. Right. Um, emotion so and instinct. Emotion and instinct. So and for children too. So I mean, your children up until two years of age, they don't have any capacity to reason, to see long term. They've got no experience. They've got no hindsight. They can't remember yesterday or tomorrow. So they always are in the moment of what makes me happy, what makes me sad, what gives me pleasure, what causes me pain. Not in a sort of um, how do I balance these things. Just in then I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and then they've got to figure out is. As a two-year-old, the whole power struggle thing is, is what impact do I have? What are the boundaries of my capacity to influence and so on? So if children never have boundaries, they'll keep pushing until they find them. I mean, because what they want is the security of knowing I'm sort of safe within these limits here. Mm. And if there's never any limits, then you just keep pushing either way to get there. So in the generation before my generation, uh, my parents was spare the rod, spoil the child. The boundaries were imposed. Yes. And the boundaries were very narrow. So, you know, children mm. should be seen and not heard. You don't speak at the table. You do what you're told, all that stuff. So our generation then with more education and a little more complex world said, well, no, no, we need to actually have developing our kids' creativity. We need to develop, uh, develop in them the capacity to think for themselves um, to contribute to a democratic society. So we put some boundaries out. And I think now what happens is we're not quite sure sometimes where, because your world is more complex again. Mm. So because of the capacity of social influence and broader influence and oh, there's a bunch of stuff that makes it mm. a challenge now. But, but sometimes now it's still the sense of um, where do the boundaries lie for me? And too often uh, there's no boundaries. Yeah. Uh, you can behave at wherever you want. You can misbehave. You can be uh, uh, difficult. You can be lacking Especially in charity. Especially for, for Steve Bidolf, we went and saw the other night. I meant to tell you about All that. Right. He was he, it's sort of hinting at that, that there's a lot of trouble with boys in schools these days and, and their behaviour because of boundaryless upbringing, the way they're treating girls and things like that and, you know, all, just... Boys have always had most – schools have always been problematic for boys. Yeah. Well, so most of too. the social issues, the learning issues, because it's not a classically male environment. Right. So it's more for people who can be attentive and whatever you think, there are some gender differences in, in general about uh, the social the socialisation mm. in families of them. So girls tended to sort of uh, – 
and, and, and wanted to be able to be cooperative, to discuss, to be... And so school suited them fine, whereas boys were, by and large, getting into mm. more trouble about the whole thing. They were physically wanting to kind of... He was suggesting that it's physically painful for, for five-year-old boys to sit still because mm. they're, they're, they're literally mm. wiring their, their limbs neurologically mm. at that point where mm. girls are already past that. They haven't mm. moved on to the... So that that stuff that they should, or at least boys should go a year later than girls, generally speaking, too, um, if you want to get the same results. Well, you might have to go <coughs> three years later, right? You know, because <laughs> girls girls tend to actually achieve uh, better because they're by and large. Mm -hmm. Although that's starting to shift and change too, right. as we uh, as we see shifts happening. Um, boys tended to do better in the latter in the old days, latter parts of schooling, and girls tended to in the first half of schooling, right. and that sort of evened itself up. Uh, around that, but yeah, I think uh, little boys are highly wired, uh, stimulus. That's but that's part of evolutionary yeah. development, you know, yeah. to be aware of the environment you're in. Because if you're going to be a, a hunter or a gatherer, if you're going to be a hunter, you better actually have your your antenna high, your senses high, and an understanding yeah. of the world yeah. if you want to survive. Yeah, um, for so, the group. Of the group. So, because Dad, just uh, just to give um, Derek and everyone else a bit of background, because Dad was the, uh, what was your role in, when we were in the country, Yes, Dad was working as the, tell, tell us. Well, what. I was the chief psychologist for the education department for the whole of Gippsland. Yeah. From Phillip Island across to Orbost. Right. Yeah. Uh, so was it special education though? Or was well, it just generally? As well. Right. So we would be responsible for special schools, but we were responsible for gifted programs, responsible for difficult teachers, difficult children, the whole yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, So we would spend time with schools. And what we, part of what we were trying to do, so we're talking in the 1970s, 80s, um, it, we were trying to introduce into schools mixed ability teaching. Right. Prior to this, mixed ability teaching means diversity in a classroom is a good thing uh, because learning will be stimulated when children are different from the different perspectives and opinions, but it means that you have to be comfortable with teaching a diverse population. Up until then, uh, specialist teachers by and large saw their job as to sorting out the ones who would from the ones who wouldn't. And so if I'm teaching English, I would actually focus in on what... Uh, an English class should be like according to the curriculum. And if you couldn't fit in too bad and if you could... and it, So if you were too slow, too bad. If you were too fast, too bad. Mm. I'm teaching to the middle here. I'm trying to get a group focus. So how do you get teachers to do, to do all of that at once in one class, though? How, how do they accommodate all these how different... How much time have you got? All right. So we <clears throat> developed and started in the education department and I was part of, in Victoria... Um, deinstitutionalization of kids out of institutions into mainstream classrooms. And so we had to get teachers and schools to be able to cater for a range of it because, you know, individual differences, a range of those things. So we spent a lot of time with what we call cooperative learning, team-based learning in classrooms. And we found, that, for example, in mathematics, um, that when you get kids in, to work in teams, when you get them to explain their answers and how they got somewhere, that's not cheating. Mm. 
that's actually helping you also in mm. your learning. So for the mathematics teachers, uh, lots of teachers, that was called cheating. So we had to stop that of saying sometimes the children, the peer group, are the best teachers. Mm. So they will learn things from other kids that the teachers don't have, you know, the teachers can't go forth. So it took a, a huge paradigm shift. So we used to work in classrooms from prep classes through to year 12 classes on changing the curriculum so kids who were too fast or too slow or mm. too different were able to participate in their level and contribute because... You may not be academically bright, but you may be astute from your life experience, contribute to discussion as well. So, right. so we spent to do it in such a way that you don't get all these people on the periphery missing out. No, no, no. So if they're if they're very good at it, they can be included by helping to tutor each other. And well, but if they're very good at it, they can also be helped to learn some of the other social skills which are helpful, like respect right. for others, like listening, like asking better questions. And teaching. Um, and, and teaching other kids, yeah. And teaching. Well, teaching that's is a great. great to learn, I suppose. So, so that was the birth of all that. That was That's that what I spent 10 years doing yeah. down there yeah. with other groups here and uh, changing the curriculum. Wow. Mm -hmm. Was that, was that, the, was that a, a breakthrough changing moment for society was that a result of the 60s and 70s you know all that sort of stuff or was it all was there always a psychologist working in gippsland well Doesn't no feel like it it wasn't it wasn't coming from a psychological perspective it yeah. was coming from a human rights perspective okay so that children have the right to be hmm. uh, educated um, to be involved to contribute uh, and it it wasn't right that we marginalize people it wasn't right that we segregate people so in a democratic society uh, we value the individual so it came more from a political um, decision so in victoria the government as they emerged came in uh, that came in said we want to have a revolution in our schooling We've, and look for parents i mean it wasn't that we should take kids out of mainstream classrooms and lock them up Mm. Uh, or put them away. Uh, yeah. So if they could mm. um, participate and contribute. So then it required funding, of course, for for uh, uh, people to assist teachers. But the main thing we had to change was the curriculum uh, and teachers' training and methodology in terms of what teaching is about. We tried to make the shift from teaching to learning. Teaching is about me telling you. Learning is about us sharing some information where we can internalise. Yeah. So they can keep learning for their whole lives rather than so just So they can uh, keep learning for their whole lives yeah. and people can learn what they need to learn. Mm. It's sort of learning how to learn. Learning I mean, how to know, learn. Different ways important. of finding what you need to know rather than being filled. The empty vessel idea is not... Uh, well, lifelong learning is the key <clears> thing. Once you stop yeah. learning, you shut down and you start yeah. to start to die. So it's like you dads, isn't it? Sort of learning what it means to be a responsible parent. Yeah, trick, in man, this room, trick in this room is our version of, uh, you know, you guys what, doing psychology, reading yeah. books or, yep. or whatever, whatever made you come up with that. Obviously, if you're a child psychologist, mm -hmm. you're in a slightly different field to mm -hmm. a normal hippie era, mm -hmm. post-hippie era, oh, dad well, going, I want them to learn about nature and all that. You've got more well, I think input there than your average one. That whole hippie era was what, what was called the counterculture. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we had no idea what was coming, but most of the lib social liberation movements had their genesis then. 
So it was beginning to see diverse, you know, different groups, the, not only the w women's group, the environmental groups, a uh, whole range. It's taken us yeah. now another 30 years uh, to tackle issues of gender and sexuality and so on. But at least then um, the disability groups became important. So we changed the language from handicaps to disability so you weren't handicapped, it was the handicap that was imposed on you by your disability in the society. So yeah. if you can't get on a tram and you can't get on a train and all of mm. that, I mean, it's not your disability becomes the issue, it's, it's what that actual environment is not conducive to helping you. So I think it, the, the, those groups be, got yeah. be, their beginning and the whole environmental movement. The Club of Rome came out in the middle 1960s, which said the earth's dying. Uh, we should do something about it, and so on. But um, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff we take for granted now that people wouldn't that that, that had its yeah had its beginnings in that stuff. Had its beginnings in, in the <clears throat> counterculture. Yeah, and so the counterculture deliberately was for the first time. My sort of sense was, it was about that we have a particular mindset that we are enculturated into. So all of that stuff I was talking to you about previous generations about child rearing yeah. was part of the dominant culture. But we used to have a dominant culture that, that we thought those in charge uh, acted in the best interests of everyone. And right. we found out, of course, that those in charge don't necessarily act in the best interests of everyone. They might act in their own best interests. Like Watergate, etc. A whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the counterculture was really sort of for mm. the first time explicitly trying to say the prevailing culture may not be appropriate to the times and it may in fact be contrary to what's in our best interests. And so countering it became was very unsophisticated. But we've obviously had countercultures you know, the Industrial Revolution you know, brought in a counterculture. Uh, the rising middle class brought in a counter... But we didn't define it and describe it as such. But that was yeah. the first time in the 60s when there was a movement which says, you know, how you think is what you see and what you believe. And that the world is not as it is, but as you see it to be. So, you know, mm. different perspectives will cause different things. So, yeah. But, but you, you also... I, I forget that... As I said, taking it for granted now, the people of your generation were 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 initiating these things in their they were sort of twenty two, twenty three, and there was none of it before them. Mm. So there must have been. I mean, it was really well figuring it out, just fumbling around, banging into things, and, yeah. and trying to figure it out. Well, your grandparents on both sides, Dan, had the <laughs> misfortune in life to live through two world wars and the Great Depression. Yeah. So, you know, most of them, that generation, were born into the First World War. Yeah, yeah. You know, the 10 million people, uh, let's march off over to Europe, to a place we've never seen. Uh, they had the Great Depression, where serious depression, you know, there was nothing great about it. Um, that's where the, the tales of the Swagman and the Henry Lawsons and all that travelling the bush trying to... Mm. And then you had the Second World War, which devastated the planet. So mm. in their lifetime... We transpose that into the post-war generations and particularly the last 30 years in Australia, we have had 30 years of growth and prosperity and have never seen any of that. So the 60s was strongly around the Vietnam War as well mm -hmm. and the injustice of, of what was taking place then. So there were, there so were a number of things. Your, your, your generation of fathers were the first ones who could really 
had had the kind of headspace to take it a bit more seriously too. Like the counterculture couldn't have happened to the previous That's generation right. because, as you say, the wars, the depression, That's like right. like parenting would have been That's right. largely about rations and survival and just, That's you know, right. hence the, the tight... Uh, living. Living, just living. getting on. And yeah. we also didn't have the investment in education, so it's hard to think uh, globally if you if your exposure is narrow. Yeah, television's not there, so we grew up listening to the radio. But as television emerged, you begin to see different societies, different cultures, different yeah. world, and yeah. so then our universities grew. People go to universities and supposedly are given the power to think mm. for themselves. And now some kid in 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 Africa can get a smartphone and access all of human yep. history or some kid anywhere for that That's matter. Right. And it's, you don't actually, you don't have to have the money for tuition fees to get into a university, to get into their library, to find this stuff like you used to. Yeah. Statistically, so what, what would you say, this is the problem with hit with history. We remember the, you remember the details, mm. but I like a bit of stats. I like mm -hmm. stats. So if you were part of the counterculture mm -hmm. and therefore engaged in some Mm -hmm. what would have been un considered unorthodox parenting mm -hmm. just in the fact that mm. you're caring, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Sure. Or, or maybe not caring, that's probably a bit cruel, but you're mm -hmm. putting a lot of thought and design into this mm -hmm. process. How many of you were there? Like give me a percent at the top of your head. Like, it couldn't have been that many, surely. Not, not everyone was a hippie. Because from, from our perspective it looks like the 60s everyone was a hippie. Uh, no, exactly. but it was mainly associated around the universities. Right. So yeah. it was thinkers and ideas and so on. But there are a lot of people building mud brick houses, a lot of people wanting to go and could buy their sort of small acres somewhere and yeah. bring their kids up in that sort of environment. It but, was becoming – but we were exposed to what was happening internationally as well and the beginnings of the green movements. But yeah. that must have been a pretty small group overall because our feeling – Was there an us and them? Was it? Yeah, there, there was a lot of straight people too, right? I mean, it, 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 the, the counterculture didn't just sweep across all of Australia and. Well, no, th th right, they clearly were because we had uh, uh, endemic, traditional, conservative governments through that whole period in all our states and so on. So, someone was voting for and giving great majorities right. to conservative traditionalists. So, yeah, um, it's what you see now as. Uh, what they call the, you know, the the, the the extreme group of the coalition liberal government. Well, that wasn't an extreme group, but that was that government. That's what they were. That's how it was. Yeah. They were traditional and conservative um, growing up. So it was, um, it was, well, you only have to listen to the music of the 60s and then it was broad enough, it was more youth culture. Youth culture, yeah. Um, and yeah. so there was a strong sort of sense that... Uh, youth culture was going to have, and the music would be having a powerful effect. I mean, there was a naivety about that as well, but the, it, there was certainly a, a sense of a fundamental shift and change, and, and you're going through fundamental shifts and changes now hmm. as well. Hey, tell me, just while I think of it, do, um, do you have any specific recollections of the way your father or mother might have responded to... I'm interested in their generation compared to you and the the youth uh, stuff and counterculture, do you remember any occasions of of that, of, say, Paddy's response to that or, like, you having long oh, hair or no, no, whatever? Well, that, yeah. I well mean, that was the most obvious symbol, wasn't yeah. it? You would grow your hair long. Do you, do you remember having actual c 
conflicts about that when you were growing no, up? No, he was pretty he was pretty right. open minded and broad minded okay. about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there would have been like, well, the schools used to be go and get them, take them down to the barber and cut their hair. Right, right. All of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, not really. I mean, he, he was, my father was really focused in learning, really open to experience. Yeah. Um, and, but he was also a, you know, a consequence of the world he was brought up in. Mm. So he would have loved to have been brought up in this world. Mm. Where you had such great access to travel, such you had to join the army if you wanted to travel yeah. in my parents' generation's yeah. time. So you had to actually join the army, put yourself at risk in the Second World War of dying in order so you could see the world. Right. Um, so if you wanted to go, when we came out to Australia, we came out on a boat. It was three months on a boat. You, you weren't going to just nick off to New York or Europe for your summer yeah. holidays. What year was that? Uh, we came out to Australia, 1948, uh, 1950s, yep. that era. But th- through the 1960s, then air travel, but then it was very expensive. And air travel in Australia 20 years ago was still domestically very expensive. So once uh, travel came down in price, it meant that l- people could go in. Yeah. But he would have loved it now because, I mean, television was black and white in one channel, whereas now you can get access to whatever, podcasts. I mean, I remember that about him, actually, and it's something that runs through, that's obviously yeah. been passed on because he's got, he, I remember going to his place after school mm. and he would sit, a st- he'd have um, atlases. That's right. Now he'd say, now, do you know what these people do? And he was very interested in the people, that's the right. cultures. That's right. What do you think the Aborigines would say about this? Or what do you think these people would say about that's that? Right. And what, where, you know, and obviously you've picked up some of that, taking mm. us on car trips to, to see things. And I mean, there's a real. I just took the basics and enhanced it, <laughs> yeah. embellished it. Yeah. Well, he would. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the good thing about this multi-generational conversation. Yeah. It is you, you, it gets to remind you of tra- like go travel when you can. Mm. That's what everyone says, isn't it? Mm. Don't wait till you don't go and have a cruise when you're seventy eight and that's well, your first. Yeah, guys, of, do it if you haven't yet. But you, you know what I mean. The, like you, you have the chance to do it. You need to hear how hard it was for someone else to go. Yeah. Wow, I really should but, do that. But you right. shouldn't it's just go. You shouldn't just go to Bali so you want to lie on a beach. Oh, you should go God. to Bali because you want to experience a different culture. You should want yeah. to understand what's it like for that you culture. Could just as easily go to Ringwood to see that culture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, that that yeah. interest in learning is definitely a, and I can see that thread through mm. our our family. Oh, I can so remember you have fathers. You have Google now. We had the Arthur Me Encyclopedia set, right? Twelve volumes. Which for you know twenty years that's what we did. If you wanted to know about Egypt, he'd show you the pyramids. You yeah. know, in Arthur Me Encyclopedia, book number six, page thirty-two, and there's a picture of a pyramid. And you've got whatever little piece of copy is there, and then you're basing your understanding of Egypt on that. And that was a pretty big thing now. having encyclopedias. That was a fantastic. Thing. Even when I was a kid, Junior World Encyclopedia, yeah. and you'd buy one a week or whatever. That's right. But those books, they were the equivalent of really paying off. The best MacBook Pro. That's right, and yeah. all that shit that we do, like at the computers, gave and us the world, internet, and all that. And, and it was, it, a, and it was neglectful was to not have them in the house for your children, wasn't it? Well, a lot of people just had them and didn't use them. Right, but the idea was you get judged that, if you don't. Well, the dad used to open it up at the pyramids. For that. What do you know about the pyramids? Nothing. Yeah. Well, let me tell you all about it. Yeah, that's Good. right. 
So yeah. if you know nothing, then whatever I tell you can't be, you know, yeah. there's no plausible deniability you about it. You can't shit check your phone. <laughs> I, I, I kind of envy that because yeah. I do like to make some stuff up. <laughs> We've totally not, like it was simpler it's time to be cliched about it. Like I, I really feel like we're, we're, our bandwidth is is just stretched. Like mm. you, even if you try, if you've just tried to not use your phone for a day, you can see how hard it is to prevent mm. information flowing into you. And and I personally think a lot of my uh, anxiety or or difficulties come from just being exhausted from the, the, the yeah. amount of stuff coming at you. Yeah. You're being marketed at in a way that never happened in the 50s. Yeah. I mean. So. So. That's <laughs> not just me, you beauty. <laughs> that's all right. Wow. So there have been three, uh, you know, clear uh, uh information sort of processes. So in my parents' generation, it was about, after me, it was about information. Yeah. Just to tell you about stuff. Yeah. The last 20 years has been all about knowledge and that's where you're focused in at the moment. Now you have, you don't need, uh, you don't need just information. Now you want to know about everything. So you you have got so much knowledge. But what that's done is your head is full of knowledge and, and very little imagination. Yeah. So if you push your brain full of knowledge, then the imagination goes out the window. So what's going to emerge next is going to be much more focus on imagination. Hope so. so well, there will. Be, so imagination has no boundaries. Knowledge. Well, it's also the only thing has, AI can't do. So yeah. Sorry. Go on. Well, it can't. It, well, AI can't do. Well, we don't know what AI can and can't do because we hadn't heard of it ten years no, ago. True. So machine learning. So, but I think that is you you have access to so much knowledge, so mm. much information. You can ask Dr. Google the answer to any question so you never have to figure it out for yourself. You can get on YouTube to learn how to do something, but it's all based around putting your head in with right. data, with facts, with information. Yep. So if you're doing all that, then the capacity for imagination, uh, for thinking, it goes out. So. I really feel that quite physically. I mm. think I, I'm I'm yeah. withdrawing myself from. I'm, I'm have a strong urge to not engage in as much YouTube sort of mm. wormholing and because mm. I can feel well, go with that urge. My, don't well, engage in it. No, because I can feel my hard drive filling up. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know if I've got the space then because it's all running yeah. back there in your head. Yeah. Um, so this just takes me back to the long, boring car rides. There you go. There was <coughs> there's a. I'm conscious nowadays of the importance of the kids being bored mm-hmm. mm. because there's so much of parenting these days is about just filling every second with mm. something exciting. Well, we call boredom now mindfulness, don't we? <laughs> right. So we, you actually go and pay for people to get you to be mindful to be bored. Yeah. So boredom is and, a good and thing. And this is when you look a bit further. So, for example, mm. if you're sitting on the couch and you put the iPhone down, mm. you look out the window eventually and then eventually you look – beyond the trees in your own yard and you go, oh, that guy next door needs to cut that bloody thing. And then you start looking a bit further and then hmm. you, you might walk out there. And so it's that that, that thing of... Um, Creativity is on the other side of a bramble bush right? for those kids. And, right. and uh, you, you just get so many times you give up and go, all right, all right, let's do something. But hmm. if you can just stick it out and hmm. get through that, 
nightmare yeah. bush of thorns. Hmm. They come out the other side and you find them in their room yep. making something or doing something. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's, it no, gets rarer good. and rarer. Yeah, but it's worth sticking that. out that constant whinging and I'm mm. bored. And what do you say when mm. someone says I'm bored? Come mm. on, Dad. Give them a job. No, you <laughs> say only boring people get bored. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. Like I, that's a, that's why I want to get the kids out in the, the bush as much as possible and why I think we'll bloody move to Warrandyte, you know, because yeah. uh, I value that time in my life as a kid being out there. There's no – TV really. I mean, even if you we were allowed to watch it, it's there's not there was not many stations and not mm. much going on. So you're out there in a paddock, mm. and eventually you're going to do something. Hopefully, it doesn't kill you. I worry, Dan, that that that, that dream. Mm. And I put some thought into this last night because mm. we're going to have uh, Hamish on, who actually is a farmer, right deep down in, mm-hmm. near, under the Grampians somewhere. Mm. So he's he's bringing his kids up on a yeah, farm, right. a farm farm. And mm. we're, as he was. Mm. So whether or not, as the big question is, whether or not you can achieve that same uh, boredom, fast track from boredom to creativity yeah. well, yeah. I think- or whether they're just, they're just normal kids exposed to other normal kids who say, I want a fucking iPad, I want this yeah, and I want that. The genie's that. out of the it's bottle. It's not going to be any difference whether yeah. you're in Warrandyte or, or East St Kilda. Yeah, no, true. and a lot of farming is about what needs to be done rather than gazing in wonder. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the whole gazing and wonder is you can do that anywhere on a beach or a backyard, yeah. but you can also fill your life with stuff as well. Yeah. It doesn't matter where the clutter comes from. Mm. Um, it becomes part of that sort of, uh, that sort of process. Of. So to be fully human is to have access to the full range of human emotion. Mm. So disappointment is a natural part of life. And if kids grow up never being disappointed, if they're always being tried to be placated, be made happy, well, however, do they ever learn to deal with adversity or disappointment right. as they're adults, you know? So yeah. little children, it's a training ground for adulthood, you know, in their own little way. So frustration, disappointment, um, boredom are all important things to learn because Mm. we can reframe, as I was saying, we can reframe boredom into what you want to be able to do in terms of being fully in the moment, a focus. Uh, We can uh, disappointment as into um, hasn't worked now, gives me more enthusiasm to find what might work for me and so on. So when you try to deny what people sometimes see as negative emotion, and then it doesn't necessarily help mm. uh, for later on. So they're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be difficult, and so on. That's why we chose St Kilda Footy Club for my kids. <laughs> Train them in disappointment. That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, we got Carlton, so that's doing. Oh well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's there encouraging. We go. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, so that, as I said, the emotional life of a child uh, is is to be filled with wonder, filled with amazement, full of uh, curiosity. Um, and if it's filled too much with information and knowledge, then it shuts down all of that capacity to do it. So, mm. I mean, if you're just looking at the functional purpose of a tree, then you've lost the point. You know, I mean, there's a functional purpose for trees, mm. but that's not, you know, what it does in our existence, at, at the chance for us to grow it, the chance for us to climb it, the chance for us to admire it, the... All of those sort of things. And what does it look like? Yeah. 
So there's a lot of things like that mm. that become important. Mm. Yeah. Before we um, before we finish, I really want to ask you the big question: What do you like better, fathering or grandfathering? Ah. <clears throat> well, they're different in their essence. Grandfathering is great because uh, it gives me a chance to. Uh, tell the the grandkids what I forgot to tell my kids. <laughs> yeah, another go. <laughs> another go, really explain stuff. But I think also it's uh, connection with all the things we've been talking about. Some you know, parenting today is very busy. You know, it's and that's the hard thing about mm. parenting, isn't it? I've got to get them baths and I'm fed and organised and school and uh, and. So whereas grandparenting, you've got more of a chance. So part of what I try to do is just keep the grandkids confused. So confused, uncertain, interested, excited, doubtful. Is he real, serious, not serious? What's going on here, you know? So, An enigma um, to, be, to be figured out is grand, granddad. Yeah. Mm. But so parent, instead of being the postage delivery man, you're Santa. <laughs> More well, mystical guy. Well, bit can, mystical. Well, yeah, Paddy was definitely mystical. I mean, he yeah. said all sorts of peculiar <clears throat> things that were – because he was very – he loved language too, right? So That's he'd right. get all very verbose and he'd say That's all right. these – Big sentences, and then he'd have this grin on his face. <clears throat> Excuse me, like he didn't really understand it either. Sometimes, <laughs> but but it, but it's up to you to figure out what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that was a nice thing as a kid to have in grandparents, because because you, you, they they are a little bit removed and mystical. Yeah. So there's a creative yeah. thing, you know. Mum mm. paints with Sammy and stuff mm. too, and that's stuff that's, that's right. hard for that's me right. to get the time or inclination to that's do. Right. So or grandparenting, the, or the, yeah. Grandparenting is fascinating for me because I didn't have any. Yeah, I, d- I do did have them genetically, but they they were left in Scotland. Mm. Yeah. Okay, right. so I didn't grow up with grandparents. So likewise, so, so my grandparents were in Ireland. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I observed, I observed my grandparents being my parents being grandparents to my brother's kids who are now grown, mm. oh, yeah. but they're kind of a bit old now, and you can, you can tell they're frustrated because oh really. Really should get out there, but you're so far away in Preston, like they, they couldn't uh, cope with the idea of learning a new route to drive yeah. to in their right, 70s. Right. Yeah. I um, think our generation yeah. as grandparents are much more involved in the lives of our grandkids than my parents were. I mean, I think you only ever stayed with grandparents once. That was enough <laughs> for you yeah. and them. Yeah. Well, and I wonder about that, whether how much uh, – how much – yeah, because we, we didn't stay a lot and we certainly didn't stay with mum's parents that much or yours. I mean, we saw your parents regularly. Uh, regularly, after we, school. After school. Mm. But, yeah, it wasn't it – wasn't, No, no, I, mean, I don't think any of the grandparents ever minded you. So why is it that then that you, ever, you lot could deal – because you just had less going on in your lives, I suppose. You didn't require them to baby – like, because a lot of people wouldn't cope without, their, without the grandparents now. Well, the, there's part of that is that – but also there's more interest in our generation in right. being involved in yeah. lives. But, yes, we are part of the extended social network of support for parents now. Um, dual income, both jobs away, uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't cope. And then yeah. also we're the outsourcing agents. So <laughs> yeah. when the parents want to teach the kids to ride a bike, oh, I can remember taking Harry for his first haircut. I can't take him to get his hair cut, says his father, because he screams. <laughs> so I said, I said, I'll take him on Monday. So, yeah. uh, so we have an expectation and they just do it. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's not the same problem. Or he won't yeah. wear his shoes. We'll just put them in the bag when he comes overnight. He'll yeah, have them on tomorrow. So, you, you, so you're getting more respect hmm. from the kids or less disrespect, I suppose. Oh, well, the if, if they enjoy their time, yeah. you know, they're not entirely silly. They understand that there's more benefits in coming back yeah. It's if they didn't enjoy their time. So in my parents' days, you wouldn't have enjoyed your time with them because they wouldn't have had... After school, it was okay, but after that, they didn't have much that they would actually do with you. No, no, that's right. They could take you down to their equivalent of Bunnings or something to give you a sausage or something on a walk, but they'd take for a walk along the creek, perhaps, or something. Yeah, well, yeah. they wouldn't have had that either themselves. No, it they was wouldn't that, have had it The children are seen and not heard thing, it was quite... That's right. You would have to sit and watch the test pattern as well <laughs> when they fell asleep at the TV and you weren't allowed to change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> God. I really would love to do some grandparenting, but I really think that the some of the some of the uh, negatives of being a late come a late comer to fatherhood, mm. like Dan, are going to be that it's going to be we're not going to get that thrill of being able to mount, march well, up and down hills. You with say our that, grandchildren. but then again, oh, come on, it's hard might, enough now with but, my children. No, but hey, listen, you'll have a you'll have a. You will have had your brain implanted in a, in a 25-year-old <laughs> body when by the uh, so. then. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what about if he gets his body implanted in a 25-year-old brain? Yeah, well, that's a worry. That would teach him. <laughs> <laughs> that would teach those 25-year-olds. Sometimes I do wonder what it would be if you could swap – Swap bodies with someone to give them five minutes. Yeah, just to just give them a taste valuable. of think, how hard it is. Like Fiona, get into this body for a minute and just see how really hard it is to get out of bed. Well, <laughs> isn't that the whole basis of learning empathy? Walk a yeah. mile in my shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. So it would be good for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm never going to criticise that person again. No, no, exactly. We should we like should it. develop that technology. All right, this is it. This, this, we now have got a reason just to get Derek into empathy. <laughs> We're going to develop world changing technology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, imagine how long the be no um, war. Rupert Murdoch would never fucking die, and that would Man, something I'm that's... looking forward to. <laughs> 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 hey, we better knock off now. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Terry, yeah. for coming in and Thanks, finally Dad. revealing you were, uh, what you did for a living. Mm. Um, Halfway through, I suddenly suddenly made sense how you knew all this stuff. It's just yeah. nice to come and see what you boys do in your spare time yeah. and how you entertain. This is the only way we can get away yourselves. from the kids is to come here and talk about them. <laughs> it is. Well, talk about how good we are as fathers while they're, <laughs> while they're right. tied up in the cupboard. <laughs> but you could also record your, you know, your later life apologies or something if you want on a podcast and just sort of put it in the bottom pocket in case you ever have to explain. Yeah. Trust me, it's uh, on my mind. We've thought about the fact that these things are likely to exist now in the cyberspace forever and that our children, when they're older, will be able to hear these things, presumably, and hopefully they... Oh, so it's not just our minds that are going to be cluttered. Now you want to clutter the cyberspace? <laughs> get right. out of it. Definitely. Get, get, get your rubbish off the airways. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have a choice. It's all there. It's just all gone. It's all still... I know. So they're going to find out. In five years' time, Terry, you'll be able to Google your name mm. and the word clutter mm. and you will find a link to this, this section of audio. And that we were talking essentially about decluttering. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I can't wait for that to happen. You can sort through the clutter to find the information about decluttering. Now, I've got a new – just just this really is goodbye now. Good but night. before we go, I want to <laughs> – 
I want to tell Dan about the new segment that we're oh, coming yeah, up yeah. with. <laughs> he segment. thinks I'm joking. <laughs> right. But I, I, what I want to do, we always say, will you come back? Will you come back each season on the show so we can have a look at, mm. you know, whether grandparents – Grandparenting's become bad or not, or Sammy's just too much for you, or whatever, whatever happens. But I also want to add a little review at the start of each show, or maybe once a maybe once a month, where we check in on everybody, all the dads. Okay, right. So people can like report in, like a, on the phone or something. Everyone who's been on the show is now in a a, a special club, right? The dad, the the hang on to your hat. Father Club, okay, right, and then we will anything they've got to, any announcements they've got, or if they're their obligation any, any, to us never any ends. news. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've got you for life. <laughs> okay, so well, and you know I can go and talk to them with my gear from time to time too. We can do a bit of roving. Exactly, go to their homes and and so and, to interpret what I've just asked you, Terry. Go on. Uh, can we can we check in on you every now and again mm. on a phone interview with Dan mm. to see how things are going in gra- grandfatherhood. In, I've got in a feeling your fatherhood's kind of taken a bit of a steady turn for now. Fatherhood never finishes, <laughs> never ends. I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I'm getting that idea. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. Just, it just costs him less now. That's the mm. quote for the end, I reckon. <laughs> fatherhood never finishes. <laughs> yeah. These subsequent thoughts then, are you expecting there will be an evolution in thinking or a consistency in experience? I'm expecting this, to find this both. Is one of those things. <laughs> I'm expecting to find both of those. <laughs> okay. Oh, that has been fantastic. Good night, folks. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. See you soon. podcast was recorded at Castaway Studios in Collingwood. Here, we provide affordable, accessible, professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters, all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages. You can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up Castaway Studios on all the social medias.